Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, I'm Jason Rockman from Slaves on Dope and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey everyone, this is Emil from Voodoo Terror Tribe and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I really appreciate you joining us, and I appreciate your support. The support means really a lot to me on an emotional and also a financial level. So keep using those Amazon links to make your Amazon purchases. Just an extra step. You go to TalkingMetal.com, and you link through to Amazon. Go about your shopping as you normally would at that point. You can leave a PayPal donation. The PayPal is linked on uh, TalkingMetal.com. You can just go check out our site. I've been posting a lot of more photos on the site now. Just paid somebody a bunch of money to help rework some of the stuff on the site so it works better on the iPhone. Got all the social media and all that linked through the site. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Go like us, follow us on those platforms. Uh, just opened a Snapchat account, uh, which I'll, I'll link that. I'll try to remember to link that through today's show notes. I, I think I have probably, my videos are getting an average of two views on Snapchat, so that's not going so well so far. But uh, we'll keep working it, and hopefully some of you guys will join us there. Please leave a review for us on iTunes. That's always helpful. And keep listening. Let me know you're listening can email me at mark at talkingmetal.com if, if you're old school and you like uh, doing the email thing. All right, so we got a, some great guests on today's show. We got Jason Rockman from Slaves on Dope. He was down in New York. He's from Canada. I've met him a few times up there. He may have been on Talking Metal a very long time ago. I seem to think he was. Uh, he's a great guy. We're going to talk to him about the brand new Slaves on Dope record. It's called Horse. If you don't know Slaves on Dope or you don't know Jason, don't worry. It's a it's a good interview. We talk about a lot of fun, cool stuff, and uh, you'll definitely 
enjoy it, even if you don't know his music. And on that note, too, the other guy, Amir, is on from Voodoo Terror Tribe. And if you don't know that band, they're a Jersey band. They sound just excellent. We're going to get into their music shortly. Right now, let's start things off with a little classic maiden right here on Talking Metal. Seven deadly sins, seven ways to win, seven holy paths to hell and your trip begins. Seven downward slopes, seven bloodied hopes, seven are your burning fires, seven
Child by Iron Maiden, written by Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson from 1988. Moonchild, of course, was the novel written by Aleister Crowley, or Crowley. I think the proper pronunciation is actually Crowley. That novel came out in 1917, a very long time ago. It was about a, a child who was conceived uh, under ritual conditions and basically when he was conceived somehow the the people mating or having sex tapped into the soul of an evil spirit possibly the devil himself a, a force of energy a force of evil and they brought that force into their conception of this child so that was what the book is about Bruce Dickinson, of course, very interested in Aleister Crowley. Crowley was kind of an interesting guy. You know, he, he, a lot of people don't think he's some evil wizard or something, and maybe there was a bit of that in him, but he was also, he was a novelist. He wrote a lot of novels, fictional novels. Uh, he bought, uh, or not bought, he built, I think, a house that many years later Jimmy Page bought because Jimmy Page was fascinated with him, and this house sat on, Loch Ness Lake, and he is the guy who, Alistair Crowley is the guy who kind of, he may have not invented the legend of Loch Ness, but he's definitely the one who brought it to the press because he claimed he could, through his magic rituals, could summon Nessie out of the pond, and and uh, he swore by Nessie, and he's the one that really helped get the legend of, of the Loch Ness Monster going. Crowley also was a drug addict, drug abuser. He was somebody who was in the gossip columns. You know, he if TMZ were around back in the early 1900s, Aleister Crowley would have been in there. He was a he was that kind of guy. People were kind of fascinated by him. He was a weirdo, you know, and he was a famous weirdo. And he also was a scam artist. Later in his life, he really went with this religion thing. And he had guys like uh, Jack Parsons, who was a brilliant, engineer and scientist from Southern California. Jack Parsons is the guy who invented rocket fuel. He's the guy who got us to the moon many years later. Um, and he was sending, he was he was making good money, Parsons, and he was sending his money to Crowley because Crowley had him convinced that he needed to support what Crowley was doing. And, and, and you know, he, Crowley was scamming him out of money. And another guy who was, in that circle with Parsons and, and Crowley. I don't think Parsons and Crowley ever met in person, but um, Parsons was, anyways, the other guy I'm talking about was the master himself, L. Ron Hubbard, was very in, who also scammed Parsons out of basically his wife and, and, and money. So Parsons was a guy who was getting really taken advantage of by Crowley and L. Ron Hubbard. And, you know, many years later, the Scientologists tried to get rid of interview footage of of L. Ron Hubbard talking about how great Crowley was, but Hubbard very influenced by by Crowley. Uh, interesting stuff, you know, anyways, I could go on and on about that. And, you know, the connection, Crowley, of course, Mr. Crowley or Crowley, Ozzy Osbourne song about Elster Crowley. Jimmy Page owned that, that mansion that Alistair Crowley had owned uh, or built on, on Loch Ness. That's where Jimmy Page lived for a number of years. And Bruce Dickinson also very interested in, in the teachings of Crowley and the myth of Crowley. Bruce Dickinson even 
produced a movie that kind of did a little fictionalized spin on on Crowley. Uh, there's a movie out there which I, I tried to watch. It was kind of a painful watch, but it's out there somewhere. You have to. I don't know the exact name of it offhand, but th- th- that movie was rather recent. It was probably like with ten years ago or something. So, anyways, that's my Crowley speech. I know the election is upon us, probably going on the day I post this, uh, Tuesday, November 8th. So uh, I'll come back and talk about the election after we get through these interviews. But right now, City of Sixes by Voodoo Terror. This song, God, this song is good. Check this out. It's off uh, the new record, which is called The Sun Shining Cold. Again, the band, Voodoo, Terror, Tribe, and the record, The Sun Shining Cold. This song right here, City of Sixes, followed by my interview with Amir from Voodoo Terror Tribe.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and calling in on the line, Amir Urkel from Voodoo Terror Tribe. And that song right there, guys. Wow, what a great song. City of Sixes. Amir, welcome to Talking Metal. Hi, everyone. How are you, Mark? Um, I'm great, and all the listeners, I'm sure, are doing great, too. And that that song, let's just get right into that. I mean, that's epic, dude. I mean, City of Sixes, production value, great, songwriting, great, and you guys perform it great. It's coming off a new record that's going to be coming out soon. So let's start talking about the new record. Um, What's it called? Uh, The new record's called uh, The Sun Shining Cold, and it's coming out in uh, November 11th. Well, finally, I mean, we've been really uh, hoping to release it even much sooner, but you know how it goes with all this, because we finished this record uh, last year. Uh, So, and now we're we're like coming to an end of this year, and we still haven't released it officially. Uh, We actually, we did a pre-release when we were on tour with Illinio back in uh, end of May, early June. Okay. Uh, so we did like a limited edition, but that was just for the tour. And now we're finally officially releasing it worldwide, you know, on, you know, on all the digital stores and, you know, iTunes, Amazon and all that on November 11th. And, you know, we can't wait everyone to hear this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've actually heard an advanced copy and it, it does sound quite good. I mean, the, the production value just really knocked, knocked my socks off. Where did you guys record this and did you work with a certain producer on it? Oh uh, yeah. We actually, uh, Christian Machado from El Nino, El Nino right, Singer, sure. he, yeah, he produced the whole album and we worked with him, uh, we worked with him like for actually a very long time. I can probably say like uh, it was like a period of total maybe six months. Mm-hmm. Like we did the pre-production and then uh, the recording. Probably it was a, a month in the studio. It was in Illinois Studio in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, Sound War Studios. Right. Okay. And uh, we we spent a yeah, full month there with uh, with Christian, and uh, it was it was I, I mean he really worked like really hard on this record to to do as much as he can and like. Uh, he pushed our boundaries, uh, like to really get the best out of everybody in the band, and it, and it really came out like better than even we were expecting. So and, it was it really it was really great. And it's interesting to hear about his involvement too, because you guys have, in my opinion, quite a different sound than El Nino. Oh, totally. Yeah, uh, we've kind of we've uh, we've known uh, actually that from El Nino, the bass player. Right. Uh, for a while, and then you know, then uh, we we met Christian probably a couple years back, uh, maybe three years back. Uh, so we finally got together, and he listened to our older stuff, and uh, he actually he wanted to work with us. So then he was he was kind of offering his production services, and you know, he's like, guys, like you know, let's do a record together, not right. just one song or like few songs and all that. So we weren't sure if we were gonna do an EP or full album. And finally, we had a lot of songs at the time, and then he kind of convinced us, you know what, guys, let's do a full album. You know, so you have a lot of songs, let's pick the 10 songs out of all these. And so he really, he worked with us. And it's like, even in the studio, he made it like, you know, like kind of, you know, like a flexible as far as the, the studio hours and all that. So that also helps us, like, you know, to make the album, you know, even better. Because, you know, when you're stuck with the certain hours, or like you know, then it you know it becomes more stressful. 
you know, like, you know, of course, you know, there's a budget, but, you know, it's like, it wasn't like, you know, just working by the hour. You know? Right, so I got we, you. Because we were, in that, we were in that studio, like, for a full month, and we were never in a recording studio that long before. It was always, you know, like, going there, maybe for a week, you know, record everything, and get the hell out. That's it. So, like, this was, it, and it was just recording. Then he took the full recording to California, and he mixed it over there. He started actually mixing in California in another studio, and then me and my drummer, we went there to finish the mix in uh, Long Beach, California. So cool. we, uh, and then we came back to Jersey, and it was still not finished. And he kind of, he wanted to, he wanted to keep going, you know, like uh, mixing more and more until he was satisfied, before wow. even we were satisfied. So, you know, it came out great. And then, you know, so uh, he finally sent us the files. It was, I think, like, like I said, you know, we finished it probably by the end of last uh, even early this year, I can say, okay. finally mixing and mastering. So, yeah, it was, uh, uh, I mean, totally different. Yeah, then it comes to genre and style and all that with El Nino and us. Uh, but it's like, El Nino is a you know, great band, great musician. He, you know, bass player Laz also, he was involved too, you know, with his, all his, uh, you know, suggestions, advices, his, his instructions through the you know, production and, you know, recording. So, you know, great musicians, you know, they have great experience of, uh, at least 15 years and and of course then it led us to tour with them you know right. like uh, this you know uh, uh, you know like uh, we, we went on tour we joined them on the uh, 15 years of uh, anniversary tour and that was also great that was also a huge experience for us and exposure so and we were actually trying to release the record around that time didn't happen and then so we released that City of Sixes video at the time okay. so just as a first single and then we completed the tour, and now we're finally officially releasing the album. Well, congratulations, because it sounds like it's a, a great record and a long time coming. It sounds like so. So just to, you know, yeah. you you guys you guys are, are a Jersey band, New Jersey band. You know, I'm based in New Jersey too. Um, but you're you're not originally from Jersey. Where where are you originally from? Well, I'm, I'm not originally from U.S. either. <laughs> right, right on. I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey. Wow. So yeah, how, I'm, uh, how long you been in the probably, states for? Uh, I guess fifteen, maybe sixteen years. It's almost sixteen years. Right on. So, were you playing music uh, yeah, before I, I, you came to the states? Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, I mean, I, 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 I had a band back in Turkey, uh, like an old school trash metal band, and I, I, I made like three albums with that band at the time, like probably around ninety four, ninety seven, ninety nine. Yeah, we made like and. We played with even. We, I even remember back in the day, in like '98, we right. played with Overkill in Turkey. Wow! So that was one of the early, early big concerts back in the day in Turkey because, like you know, it was just starting, like you know, like a like this heavy metal thing over there. Because yeah. like you know, we were when we were doing it, people were looking at us like you know, Whoa, like something weird, you know. Because yeah. back in the day, like, you know, it was almost something forbidden <laughs> over yeah, yeah. there. And now, like you know. All these big American bands or European metal bands, they all go to Turkey for big festivals and all that. Things change big time in the last sure. 10 years or so, whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, I had a band and then I really came to the States just to, you know, have a career in music and really and to accomplish this more and more and better because the conditions were more difficult at the time over there. And then, you know, I came here, like, you know, through, you know, different, actually, you know, I came here first through a job and then a school 
you know, went to college a little bit and all that. But then in, the, the main goal was to really form up a band in America. And, you know, eventually I did. Right. And, and Voodoo Terror Tribe has been around for over a decade at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, since, yeah, 2005, actually. Right. Yeah, me and my drummer, we put it together, together and we went through some lineup changes. Like, we had a different singer at the time. And, I mean, our current singer has been with us since 2009. So cool. that's a long time, too. Bass player probably since 2007. So it's like, you know, so it's like even even our current lineup is really has been together for a long time now. And you're the guitarist. What kind of gear do you play? Uh, 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 yeah, I'm the guitarist. You know, we, we have only just one guitar in the band. Uh, 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 my choice of guitars usually... Ibanez and Jackson guitars, right sometimes ESP and LTD. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm a big like fan of like uh, old school Jackson, uh, Jackson like fucking soloist USA or Jackson Lamb Those those are my favorites. Um, nice. Other than as, as far as amplification, like Line Six, I'm like you know, uh, I, I've been using Line Six forever, and I guess you know, I've always used, used Line Six. You know, one thing is about Line Six, it's just easy to use. Like you know. Every yeah. amp is like comes with all the effects and everything, and then and they are like you know improving it every day. And you know, and you know, like uh, when you still use line, especially I'm using line six with a line six cabinet, it will give a greater sound. But you know, sometimes, of course, you know, I, I use with a Marshall cabinet or Metal Boogie cabinet and all that. So, again, like you know, it gives a great sound as well, right? Right on, cool. And you know, there's always people that are trying to put labels on on bands you know and i hear so many different sounds i hear industrial i hear gothic i hear metal of course what yeah. how do you how do you guys classify yourself that's the thing i yeah that that comes up all the time with you know all kind of, like today almost like they put all the like new bands like what what category i think alternative metal alternative rock uh, right. like or even adult rock they call this like you know all these like us, especially the, the the new CD, the new record, is a little bit different than we did before. It's I guess more modern. I can easily say that. So I think the best way to put it, yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit industrial. A little, it's electronic. It's because we have a lot of electronic elements in our music. We have, you know, we use a lot of uh, sample sounds and keyboards and all that. We don't have keyboard player in the band, but me and my singer, we play keys and you know we write that stuff. For the record and we record it so right and on stage we play all of the samples you know all these sounds that you hear on the record we we also reuse them on stage we play all of them so it's like you know people we, we use them you know like a like a fifth member and so like you know we use the you know backup tracks and all that so that you know try to give the same feel from the record because you know some, we don't like that you know like a overproduced record and then you cannot do the same thing live you cannot perform it live like your or your your album so so we try to do it as much as close to the record cool and uh, that's why our drummer like play everything with the click track uh, live like you know it's like a, he hears a little bit the click track a little bit the samples and all that so you know everything sings. You know, like a, we even do a, a little bit multimedia show when we can uh, live. It's like a, all kinds of videos and all that on the screen, and everything syncs to each other. What we play, oh, cool. the you know, images, the multimedia show or videos, whatever we display on the on the screen, 
everything syncs to each other. Cool. So like you know, so it's like a it's like a perfect metronome and perfect tempo. Which again, we're lucky to have a drummer like that because I know a lot of drummers don't like the click track, don't like to play over a metronome like they're in the recording studio. You know, they don't like to do that live. But our drummer is the opposite. He loves to do that because he thinks that you know then we're tight, and it of course you know then you're you're like hundred percent tight. <laughs> There's right. no slowing right down or like speeding up because of your adrenaline and all that. You're at the same tempo you like your record. So and uh, as for, yeah, as far as again back to the question, uh, genre and all that, I guess it's better to put it like almost like a modern uh, industrial metal, right. something like that. Maybe you know it's a it's uh, because it's it's I I don't want to use the term alternative metal. I mean I, I guess everything is alternative today. You know yeah. all these new bands or whatever. You know like a, cause they put the you know Slipknot and Disturbed in the same category. Right. So yeah. which is I mean again crazy, but because they're all like coming from the same era, same around the same time, and then even at the time I guess about around 2000 uh, late 90s they, they started the term new metal. And yeah. then new metal turn into alternative metal. Right, uh, so, that's true. But yeah, yeah I mean, we, we have all those elements, you know, industrial, goth, a little bit, electronic. Like when, when Christian was in the studio, when we were finishing the record, he started calling it haunted metal. What was it? Haunted. Haunted, haunted metal. metal. Haunted metal. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that, yeah, he started calling that. And even he asked us to call it like that. And I said, okay, I mean, that's Start cool. your own <laughs> genre, that's yeah. A, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, Amir, it's been great talking with you. And I, I again, I'm enjoying the music. Uh, to take us out here, I'd love to play another song by you guys. I have the I have the record here. Again, earlier in the podcast, we heard City of Sixes. What would you like to play for the Talking Metal listeners to uh, wrap things up here? Um, I'd like to play. We, we just released a lyric video uh, for the song Cell. Okay. So uh, that's... Uh, I like to play that for everyone because that's that's another track. I mean, we we love all the tracks, of course, but uh, I like I like everyone to hear that. Cool. We're gonna check that out now on Talking Metal. Thanks, Amir. Thank you. Good talking to you.
New music right there by Voodoo Terror Tribe off the Sun Shining Gold album. Check it out. Support those guys. I think they're on to something good here. Interesting story. Amir has uh, opening for Overkill many, many years ago. Great stuff. Nice guy. And, and let's support them. Go like their Facebook page. Go uh, check them out. We'll have the links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And right now, let's get into a little Slaves on Dope. This song is Scriptwriter, featuring Daryl McDaniels of Run DMC fame. It's off the new Slaves on Dope record, which is called Horse. Jason Rockman, the vocalist of Slaves on Dope, is here with us today. Or I interviewed him in a hotel in New York, in the lobby of a hotel in New York not too long ago. So let's check this out. Slaves on Dope scriptwriter off the album horse and again this song has a very special guest dmc from run dmc after the song we'll hear my interview with jason rockman recorded in midtown manhattan uh, no, two or three weeks ago Here we go. 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we're here in Midtown Manhattan with Jason from Slaves on Dope. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm just I'm, I'm happy to, to know that we're in Manhattan. It's so amazing. I love New York. <laughs> cool. Do you get down here much? Last time I was here, believe it or not, was um, I was in uh, about maybe two years ago. I came for Feld Entertainment sent me here, the people that do Disney on Ice, okay. to go see Marvel Universe Live. Because they hired me as a spokesperson for the show in Montreal, oh, so I got to see the show before, like went to like a premiere of it and stuff. And um, so that was the last time I was here. But I love New York City. I mean, it's like the greatest city in, in the world. Cool. Well, you guys have a great new record out, Horse, and uh, some great tunes on here. I'm really enjoying it. But let's talk about some specifics here. Let's get to the song Scriptwriter. We'll go right there. Tell us a little bit about that song, what it's about, and who is on the song with you. Uh, well, the, al- the album's called Horse. Um, obviously, scriptwriter is. Uh, is it too loud? Or? Okay. Scriptwriter is. Um, I mean, the song. We don't really talk really what the songs are about because, it's it's. I mean, we when we when we looked at this record, we kind of like. It's kind of stupid what we did, because every song title on the album, is a is a drug reference or a drug slang, and none of the titles are in the actual song lyrics, so, so it's kind of like commercial suicide. Like it's really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if your song's called like you know Sunshine, and you say Sunshine five times in the chorus, it's Sunshine. But our song's called Scriptwriter. We don't say Scriptwriter once in the song. Um, so a lot of the meaning behind the songs, we don't re- we don't usually talk about the lyrics much. And not to sound pompous or anything, but I just I like the idea of people leaving it up to their own interpretation. There's definitely they're all they're definitely stories. A lot of them are personal stories, stuff that we've been through, stuff that Kevin's been through. We try to cleverly veil it sometimes. We, always, we like the double entendre idea, so like, you know, our name, Slaves on Dope, you become a dope, uh, you do a lot of dope, become a slave to it. None of us do drugs. So, you know, people, a lot of people when they would interview us, they'd expect a bunch of potheads to walk in and be like, yo, bro, and, and we're not like that at all. So, and we're also big Faith No More fans, and they were always about that, you know? I mean, when I saw, um, when I first got King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime, the song, you know, standing naked in front of a computer. I mean, it was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> wow. And I, I, I want to write a record where every freaking song title is has nothing to do with the with the song. And um, I don't know. It's, I guess we're kind of goofy. So what the songs are about, well, there is a common theme that runs through it. There's there's a lot of, um, a lot, you know, you're dealing, there's a lot of relationship stuff. There's a lot of, um, a lot of growth, a lot of uh, irony of life, you know, a lot of stuff that normal people would go through. It's funny about lyrics. I just want to say this. I've been talking about this stuff all day. And a guy like Peter Gabriel, I remember when I first I interviewed him, and I talked to him, and I thought Peter Gabriel. You know, you figure Genesis, Peter Gabriel. His lyrics are going to be like abstract, and his lyrics are as like matter of fact, simple things. You know, like like the song like "Talk to Me." It's about his his daughter not talking to him. And I remember when he told me that, I was like. I figured it would be some big thing about the meaning of life, and so I think lyrics are really personal, and it just depends what you want to let if you want to let people in or not. And I like the idea of just letting it up to the listener to, to, to you know, leave you know leave with their own interpretation. Right on. But on the song script writer, you have a very special guest. There's a bunch of special guests on the record. Can you talk about who? Let's start there with that special guest. Uh, script writer, obviously, uh, you know DMC, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. And all around nice guy, as you know, you you know you've mentioned you 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 had a you have a relationship with him. He's just such a down to earth guy, and he he's like childlike. He just wants to create. And 
the way he got on our record was really, it, it was very, very organic. I mean, it was because of Mitch Lafon, our common friend, who interviewed him and said, hey, I just interviewed Daryl from Run DMC. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a huge DMC fan and a huge Run DMC fan. He goes, you should talk to him for your show. So I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, I'd love to be on your show. Let me know when I should come in. And I was like, well, yeah, we're a radio station. We don't have a budget to fly you in and everything. He goes, no, no, I'd never ask you to pay for my ticket. I'll fly myself in. And I'm like, what? So Mitch ended up speaking to him again and said, hey, you know, Jason's in a band. Just talk to him about his music. Maybe you could collaborate with him. And next thing you know, we sent him a song. He comes in, does it in Kevin's studio, and we got him on the record. And then he was in Montreal for Montreal Comic Con, and we filmed a video with him. So it's crazy how things happen. Yeah, and, you know, I was just talking to Kevin about this, but it, it's it's to me a really major thing that here the guy is getting inducted or not inducted given this lifetime achievement award the night of the grammys but instead of going to hang out with the hollywood elite he cho- he, he chose to come play with you guys doing like a hard rock metal tune in in canada in in what is your take on this whole thing? Was this a big F you to the Grammys? Was this... Uh, you know, we... When, when Daryl came, I, one of the, the, the deals we made is I said, listen, I, I, and I offered it up. I said, I work in media. I work in radio. Um, I, I work at a station where there's like six other stations and I could get you some other press. So why don't you come in and spend a few days here since you're going to do the song and we'll schedule a day of, full day of press. So I got... Um, I got a bunch of people to come talk to him about the collaboration. And, and we found out the day before, Kevin's like, you know, the Grammys are on the night before he's going to be here. I go, what do you mean? Because or, or, or they were the night he was, the night before, they were on the day he was coming in. And I'm like, oh, sh- shit, he's going to cancel. He, he might have just forgotten. And I re- sent him a message. I'm like, are we all good for tomorrow? And he's like, absolutely. So I remember when we were doing an interview with Vice, and the girl from Vice was saying, why are you not at the Grammys? And, he, and I said, you know, well, I think I know why, D. And he goes, why? And I go, well, like Chuck D said, who gives a fuck about a goddamn Grammy? And we both finished that sentence together. And it was funny because we found out after that we were huge Public Enemy fans, and it led to a collaboration with Chuck D that we're, that's coming out on his record. So Tell us about that. It's fucking mind-blowing. I mean, I've, I've met Chuck many times through um, his, his uh, assistant that works with him. And uh, we did a collaboration. Daryl and I did a collaboration with Kevin and HR from Bad Brains and DJ Lord for a song on the upcoming Spencer Haywood soundtrack. Spencer Haywood is uh, an NBA player. There's a documentary coming out on him that Chuck D narrated. So it's all kind of in the same camp. And they came to us and said, you guys want to be part of the compilation? We're like, absolutely. We're like, do you think you can get DMC? I'm like, for sure. Because DMC and Chuck have been friends forever. So it ended up being this like trilogy of songs. So it's it's crazy how these things happen. And then he said, well, I want you guys to do a song for my album. And we'll get Chuck on it. And I'm like, you can get Chuck on the... He goes, yeah, man, I'll just call him. And he called him up and Chuck was like, when you guys have the song ready, send it to me. And I'll... I'll, I'll do my part and I was like holy shit I mean it's crazy it's crazy how these things happen amazing well let's get back to the record Horse by Slaves on Dope uh, besides DMC there's some other pretty big name special guests let's talk about them uh, Bill Kelleher I mean listen you know if you're if you're a metal fan nowadays or if you've been a metal fan for the last 10 years 15 years you can't not think of Mastodon to me they're they're, they're carrying the torch for metal right now in terms of being interesting 
they're I love them, and I, we became friends through my job again. I, I interviewed him, and we bonded on sobriety, and we bonded on uh, Star Wars. But I never—he's the kind of guy that I never wanted to talk to him about my band. Like when I when I when I work, like when I do what you do, because I do what you do. I don't talk about my band much unless I qualify at the beginning. Oh, yeah, I'm in a band as well. Before we'll start the tape, you know, I'll say, I play in a band. I know what it's like. Oh, yeah, do you know so-and-so? Where are you from? Oh, yeah, I played. You're from Washington. I played the 930 Club. And then I'll get to work. But with Bill, I always knew that he probably wouldn't like my band. You know what I mean? I'm not stupid. And But at the same time, we, we liked a lot of the same music. He's He, he actually really likes old-school hip-hop. Um, we're the same age, so we're from relatively the same area. I'm from Montreal, he's from Rochester. So we're, we're you know, he played with Grim Skunk a lot. We, I'm friends with Grim Skunk. We have a lot in common. So, I, But I never wanted to bring up my band, but he knew I was in a band. And when we were doing the album, when we were doing it, the song Interplanetary Mission had a space for a guitar solo, and I said to Kevin, it'd be cool to get another guitar player. He was kind of adverse to it. He was like, I don't know, who would we get? And he goes, he goes do you think you could ask Bill from Mastodon? I'm like, oh, fuck no. Can I swear? Is it okay? Yeah. I, go, I, I don't want to fucking ask him, man, like, at all. Like, I don't want to cross that fucking line. He said, well, you know, if, if it ever comes up and it's natural. So it came up and I was like, dude, you know, we got this part. Love to have somebody on it. And he's like, well, why don't you send it to me? I just got my studio set up. Sent it to him. And that was it. He gave us back an eight-bar part that was fantastic. And I said, look, we have one problem. I go, it's so good. We want to extend the part. And we'll just, like extend it four times in Pro Tools, you know, it's easy to do. And he, we sent it back to him and it just became this odyssey, <laughs> which is great because that's what Mastodon is. Like you go on this trip when you listen to it. Cool. And it's called Interplanetary Mission, right? And we're gonna check that out right after the interview today, guys, on the podcast. But let's keep going with the record. There's more special guests. Yeah, there's um, HR from the Bad Brains. That happened because of the song that we were doing, I was mentioning before, for, for uh, the Spencer Haywood documentary. We kind of slid in another song when we sent the session. We're like, and there's this one too, and what do you think of maybe putting something down on that? And, and he did. So HR, having HR on the record was more like a badge of honor. It, was, it wasn't, in terms of the collaboration, it's cool, and I like what he did, but he's HR. I mean, like, like Kevin said, he goes, he could cough on the record and we'd be happy. You know, he's a legend. So just to have him on there is huge and Leela from the Damn Truth um, they're a Montreal blues rock band that I've supported a lot at, at Shome and uh, she's one of the best singers out there right now just soulful Janis Joplin type voice we had this duet that we wrote um, when I think of duet all I think of is Islands Islands in the Stream <laughs> you know, but we had a duet that we wrote we've never done a duet before and we did it with another singer about six years ago it did not work at all and she's well known like really well known it just didn't work. And we were like, we'll shelf the song. It was supposed to be on the last record. Didn't use it. Came up again. I'm like, we really got to find someone for this song. And Kevin's like, I don't know who could. I, I reached out to Morgan from Kitty. I reached out to a bunch of people. And it just wasn't working. And then I thought of Leela, and Leela just killed it. She came in, nailed it. So, um, yeah, that's it. I mean, those are the guests. And, and every guest is different. Every guest lends its own um, originality to the song. And, and they're all... They're all different, but it's but it's really fun. It's fun to have guests on an album. We've never done that really. Will you guys be doing extensive touring for this record, or what's the story with that? We're going to tour when it the right opportunity presents itself. If there's good opportunities, we'll definitely go out and do them. 2017 will definitely come to the U.S. Um, we've neglected the West Coast. We've never really gone out to the West Coast since the band 
took a, a hiatus in 2004. So I mean, we used to reward road warriors. We were on the road all the time. And ever since I had kids, I just kind of, I didn't want to be that guy that was away from his kids. So we will tour, yes. I just don't know where, when, and where. I, 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 don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but there are plans to do some stuff. Cool. Now, you mentioned that Bill from Mastodon, he's pretty famous for being a big Star Wars fan, and you're a Star Wars fan. What are your uh, expectations for Rogue One? Massive. Massive. Um, so far, I love Force Awakens. I thought they were great. I thought the record was great. Um, sorry, I'm listening to him. I thought I thought Force Awakens was great. Um I think the fact that it's out of Lucas's hands yeah. is the best thing that could have happened to Star Wars. Because you think, you know, Star Wars is the only one of those big franchises that hasn't been flogged to death at the cinema. Everything else, yeah, you know, the merchandise and all that, the toys. But really, we had six we had six movies. That's it. You know, there was no TV shows, really. The odd cartoon. Yeah, cartoons, but just starting. You know, but he's very guarded with it. When it came to the cinematic universe, there's nothing. Now they're going to blow it open, and rightfully so, because there's so many stories to be told. Like, if you're a Star Wars fan, and you've been, a, are you a Star Wars fan? Oh, I mean, listen, I read the. I, I remember when I was a kid reading Splinter's, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Han Solo at whatever, whatever, and like I had Star's End. There you go. I had all these books, and I read them all when I was a kid, and I love the idea of taking these characters and bringing them to other on in other adventures. So the fact that they're going to be able to do that now, and I think Rogue One looks amazing. All the haters that are talking about, you know, having, a, you know, a female lead and, and, and why are, it, like, oh, just shut up. You know what I mean? It, they're great stories. They're, they're handled with kid gloves. They, they, they know that they can't fuck them up. And they do it right, you know? The same way Marvel's doing everything right. Marvel's doing it right. Warner, man, problem is you can't let an exec do that. You gotta, if you're going to have an exec there, it's got to be a, a, a comic guy. It's got to be a geek. You've got to have, like, you know, the, the putting... Um, uh, what's his name again? Sorry, I'm blanking. Uh, Editor-in-Chief of Marvel. What was the Editor-in-Chief of Marvel Comics? Um, Joe Quesada is in charge of the Marvel, in charge of Marvel Entertainment, and that was the smartest thing they did because he's a comic book creator. So he's not going to fuck it up. When you get other people involved, and nothing against Warner, but there's too many studio execs in there that are screwing with things, and that's what's happening with all the DC stuff. It, they're making bad decisions, and there you got one last shot with Justice League. Because Batman vs Superman, I'm a fan. I liked it, but they've got one last shot with Justice League. If they mess that up, Suicide Squad was barely passable. That's it. If they mess that up, forget it. I mean, Marvel's kicked their ass. Although DC's doing really well on TV, because The Flash is great, Green Arrow's great. You know, there's great stuff going on there. Supergirl's fun, but movie-wise, just I don't know. They should open up DC Films. Right, right on. Um, so. You mentioned that you do interviews. You have a show up in Montreal. Is that, tell us a little bit about what that is. Um, I've got a, a show. I work for a station called Show FM, which is a, a rock station. It's been around for 46 years. I've got a show called Amped, which is it's a rock. You know, it's a it's a rock show, seven to midnight Monday to Friday. It's Every night. Monday, yeah, yeah, five hours, five hours of radio. It's fun because um, I I have guests that come in. Uh, I do a lot of the interviews for the station. It's a yeah, it's a lot, but I love it. I love it, and it's it's great because it's the station I grew up listening to. Um, it's it's you know if you if you grew up imagine you grew up in your town you it's the rock station you grew up to you listening to and you go and you end up working there one day. 
it's awesome and it's great when you're a musician you can work in radio because it goes hand in hand and that's the that's the big rock station out of Montreal yeah, 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 yeah. when I was a kid we had a vacation house in uh, right outside of Lake Placid yeah. New York and when the wind blew right I used to get this yeah 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 which was a great station I remember hearing uh, Angus Young interview on there back in the day we're, we're, the, we're the real deal you know we're we're the only game in town too so I remember the Angus Young interview because uh, it was coming in in, in waves of oh, yeah. like the static, and, and the, the DJ had asked him, uh, you know, you guys have done, I forget what it was, six records, and they all sound pretty much the same. And Angus got angry, and he was like, he was like no, that's not true. That's not true. We've done seven records, and they all sound the same. <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, and, and you know, it's, and I love, like Airborne, I love the fact that they're carrying that torch. You know, and... You need bands like that. You need bands that just give you good meat and potatoes, rock and roll, you know? There's there's no bands like that anymore, and it's nice to see that. Um, actually, there's a few. There's them. There's Monster Truck. There's a few bands out there now that are just, you know, it's all about having a good time and rocking. And, and rock and roll, there's there's room for that still. I, I think too many people nowadays are too, are too careful. Rock's supposed to be dangerous, you know? And the most exciting stuff I find in music is still going on in R&B and in hip-hop. Those are the guys that are taking chances. Like a guy like Frank Ocean... He's an artist, say, and say what we want about Kanye, but at least he's taking chances and yeah, pushing I envelopes, and I love that. Yeah. you got to do that. You need those guys to do that. Frank Ocean, for me, that, I like the, the Blonde album is one of the most interesting things that's come out in a while. And I love the, I love, I love the, uh, the Banks and Steels record, Paul Banks from Interpol and the RZA. Oh, okay. That, that just came out a little while ago. Got to check that out. It's great. I mean, you can imagine Interpol and Wu-Tang Clan. Like, what a crazy combination, but it works, so... Well, hope to see you at Heavy Montreal in uh, 2017, and best of luck on with the record Horse. It's out now. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. We'll have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com where you can go and purchase it. Thanks, Jason. Pleasure, man. Thank you. Jason Rockman from Slaves on Dope, that song right there, Electric Kool-Aid, off the Horse record, brand new Slaves on Dope record. 
guys, remember to keep uh, keep those calls coming. I, I've enjoyed the the handful of calls that we've gotten from the listeners. Nine seven three seven five seven one nine one seven is the the hotline. Give me a ring today at nine seven three seven five seven one nine one seven. Leave me a message. Request a song. Let me know uh, what you're thinking. And we're gonna play one more song off that Slaves on Dope record. This is with Bill from Mastodon. He's the special guest on this song. It's called Interplanetary Mission. And I'll come back and talk with you after that. Step inside and take my hand. I'll bring you to a place untouched by man. Oasis in the sand.
interplanetary mission. You know, uh, just going to talk about the election, which is probably going on right now. Hopefully everyone's voting. Um, you know, they say it's the most important election of our lifetime. They say that every four years, but I don't know. The stakes do seem a little higher for both sides this time. I know for me personally, it, 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 I feel it is. Um, and try to avoid politics. I recently pissed off a talking about a listener on Facebook and uh, told him to unfriend me, which he did, and then I blocked him. So you get that from me if you friend me on Facebook. I'm not talking politics often, but occasionally, especially in this heated climate. So maybe by the time we're, you're listening to this, we may even have our new president elected at that point. But uh, did did meet Hillary, kind of. Did meet Donald, Donald Trump, kind of, back in the day. Hillary, here's my story. I was working on the Rosie O'Donnell show. I was the field producer. I had to. It was in Rockefeller Center where she'd her, her live show each day, and I had to run a tape down to the stage area. The offices were kind of on the other side of the floor. It was a massive floor. And Hillary Clinton was the guest that day. Um, the tape had nothing to do with Hillary. By the way, I'm drinking uh, Crabbies right now, raspberry alcohol ginger beer. A little sweet for my liking, but yeah, it's all right. It's good, actually. It's just not usually into the super sweet stuff. So anyways, I had to run this videotape down to Rosie and her producer, and I, and Hillary Clinton was the guest that day. So I go running down this long, long, narrow hall, because everything was frantic, you know. Get it to us now. We're going to air in 10 minutes. And so I go booking down the hall, like running, and I quickly turn around this corner, uh, same same floor where they shot SNL Saturday Night Live. So we actually shared the backstage area with Saturday Night Live. Um, I book around the corner, and again Hillary Clinton is the guest. And uh, you know the show wasn't on yet, but Hillary was there in in her dressing room getting ready to go on. And as I book around the corner, this dog freaking lunges at me, a German Shepherd. Ruff, 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 and I'm like, ah, and I'm screaming. And Secret Service, she was senator at the time. And Secret Service come rushing out. You know, guy has his hand on his gun. He didn't pull it out of his thing. But it was a big commotion. Rosie, everyone comes running out. So basically, Hillary's dog almost freaking kills me. You know, I probably, that wasn't her personal dog. But it was, a you know, a, a security dog. Probably a bomb sniffer or something that they had in there. Um and then uh, Hillary even pokes right on. I was like, what's the, what's going on? And, you know, uh, so I had all these people looking at me, and I was very embarrassed by the situation because uh, Hillary's dog had scared the living shit out of me, and I screamed like a freaking baby thinking I was going to get killed by her dog. Uh, so that's my Hillary story. Uh, I don't know if you could call that meeting her. She definitely saw me and probably was like, what the fuck? Uh, my Trump story took place probably couple years before that, maybe one or two years before that, back in 96, so we're talking 20 years ago. Um, and it was, uh, I'd worked the VH1 Fashion Awards. I was RuPaul's assistant. I was, like, working with him on the red carpet, and basically, like, the stars came up. Like, Glenn 
Gwyneth Paltrow, who at the time was almost unknown, she did an interview with RuPaul, the band Garbage, and basically Garbage, we didn't know who we were getting because we had like a press tent off the red carpet kind of thing. And um, basically I would, I had all this research on people we might get in binders, this is pre-iPhone day. So I would, they would be like, we're bringing Garbage in in two minutes. So I'd go to the research, I'd be like, Rue, these people are from, you know, three of them are from Wisconsin. The chick is from Scotland. They got a song called this. They're, you know, VH1 is playing. And so then he'd go, oh, you're from Wisconsin. Yeah. So like I was basically briefing him. Elton John came by, had to reach in and mic Elton John, put put a, a mic on him and, and get him ready. You know, that's the type of stuff I was doing, briefing RuPaul and, and getting the stars ready to talk to RuPaul. So it was fun. It was fun. But anyways, the post party, a lot of models and stuff at this at this fashion award party, too. Uh, and at the post party, Trump was there. He was probably at the award show, too. I don't know. And he specifically came in. It was at Chelsea Piers in New York City. And he came in and he doesn't drink, you know, so he went right to the table with all these young models, like teenage models and maybe early 20-something models, the, the the catwalk models who would have worked the show. And he sat down at the table and just started hitting on all of them, which, eh, for a 50-year-old guy to kind of hit on 18-year-old chicks, it's a little gross in my opinion, but it's absolutely true. I swear on my life. And then I have this vision of him. He, at one point, had two of them, who he'd kind of won over after, you know, sitting at the, ta- the table. This was like one in the morning where champagne was being served and he was not drinking. And these kids were probably getting drunk, even though they were underage. And he had two of them, and he, one on each arm. And he was walking around the the restaurant bar area where this uh, this party was with each one real slowly like kind of like I have a trophy on each arm. It was it was a little weird and people were even commenting. That's that's kind of weird. And again, these were young freaking girls. So, that's my Trump story. So, maybe you think that's cool, 50-year-old dude hitting on teenage chicks or maybe you think it's gross, I don't know. It's up it's up to you. But uh those are my two stories. Saw Trump hitting on uh underage girls and saw well, depending on what you consider underage, underage for a 50-year-old, and saw um, Hillary Clinton's dog, which almost killed me. So those are my two stories about the two candidates, one of is which is probably, one of which has probably already been elected president by the time you are hearing this. And I uh, hope you're happy with it. And, you know, America's great. I think, uh, personally, it's it's been great. I don't think we need to make it great again. I think it's... It's awesome. But yeah, you have your own opinions and that's that. Guys, take care. And uh, I love you guys. You really, really make my day when you check in with me and let me know you're listening to the show. I appreciate it. Take care. And my political views, I don't know if they really came through in those two little stories there. Have no, are totally different than John's astronomies uh they're my own they're probably totally different than yours and uh that's that thank god this election is just about done huh all right later how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage 
Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.